John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. Time to check in with Michael Bumpus as the get closer to Sunday's game against the Buffalo Bills and uh, I don't know big picture uh, Michael how do you how do you look at this game how dangerous is this game facing a Bills team that's kind of underachieved this year on defense still have got their first chance to win a division uh, in that uh, in over two decades uh, and have a good young quarterback well, like, you know, John, you got to respect every team. And, you know, Josh Allen has stumbled a bit, started off the season pretty hot. He's in the MVP talk. I thought that was a bit much, but uh, lost two games, just beat the Patriots last week. And I think they finally found their formula. You can't ask Josh Allen to throw the ball 30 times. I think you get him around 18 to 25 times and then let him use his mobility. He still has receivers. He can take shots with Stephon Diggs. Cole Beasley is the guy who can work the slot. They have some pretty good running backs in the backfield. Now, defensively, they have Traymond Edmonds, who's a a really good linebacker, and Tredavious White at the corner spot. This isn't the defense of 2019, but this is still a team that you need to respect. Now, they're leading the AFC East, which is the first time we can say that in, what, 20 years, John, that someone else is in the lead. So this is still a dangerous team. They're hungry. They're coming off a big win. And as you know, John, you have to respect everybody in this league. No doubt about it. And, of course, uh, how do you think this team matches up against it? Because I guess the big concern is that you have a big, strong, mobile quarterback with a big arm and one of the best wide receiver trios in football. Yeah, thankfully this defense has seen mobile quarterbacks. Kyler Murray is as as mobile as it gets for these guys. So they're going to learn some lessons, or they've learned some lessons just by playing with him. Now, as far as the receivers goes, they've seen the Julio Jones, the Calvin Ridley's, the the Amari Coopers. They've been tested when it comes to throwing the football. So I I think this team is ready to go. The key is... Are they going to be as aggressive as they were last game? I thought it was beautiful seeing all the stunts on the defensive line, seeing Bobby Wagner get after the quarterback. That needs to be the identity of this defense. You need to put pressure on quarterbacks. As far as Josh Allen, man, you just got to be disciplined. You got to make him step up in the pocket. And when he decides to run, you just have to rally to the football. He's not going to beat you 40, 50 yards down the field. But third and long, a play breaks down. He's got the capability to get things done. No doubt about it. Uh, and, of course, uh, reinforcements coming to the defense. Uh, what kind of expectation do you have of Carlos Dunlap? Oh, man, it, it's hard to say, right? He has one sack this year, wasn't getting a lot of playing time in Cincinnati just because of, I guess, the relationships and the direction they were going. But, John, you watched the film. The guy still has some bursts. So I expect him to be around the quarterback. Will he get a sack? Who knows? I mean, we'll take anything at this point. But I think Carlos Dunlap is going to bring a type of energy to this defensive line. If you follow him on social media, as soon as he signed with the Hawks, he was rejuvenated. You hear it in his voice. You see it in his walk. There's something about when guys make moves and play for different teams. Uh, They get rejuvenated. So I'm expecting him to be extremely active. I'm not sure what type of shape he's going to be in. Obviously, he wasn't sitting on the bench a lot. Well, he was on the bench a lot in Cincinnati, but he's in some type of shape. Is he ready to hand up 30 to 40 snaps? We'll see. But thankfully, I don't think that's what they need from him right now. They just need about 20 to 30 snaps, get active, get after the quarterback, and really just help these young guys develop. Yeah, no doubt. And that's going to be one of the great challenges for the defense. Uh, how do you think they match up now? Because we know the, the, the raw talent of the secondary. Because, again, you have four guys that, at least on paper, are Pro Bowl quality. 
Okay, because you know, because Shaquille Griffin's right now a little questionable because of the hamstring. You know, Quentin Dunbar's still trying to get his feet under him. I mean, you know that uh, Jamal Adams is going to be back, which is huge. I th- still think Quandre Diggs has played well, but of course, how do you think they can contain this wide receiving core? I think they can contain them if everyone's healthy. Obviously, I like. Uh, that starting lineup rather than, you know, having a backup or two win. But either way it goes, I think they can. Stephon Diggs is going to make plays. He's one of the best receivers in the league, over 600 yards. He has big playability. So there's you're not really going to shut that dude down. And you look at this defense, this isn't really a defense that shuts down the pass game anyway. Can you slow him down? Yes. And then in, in the slot when you're dealing with Cole Beasley, what's DJ Reed going to look like? Is he going to have another Good game. Is he going to be the guy to be able to slow Cole Beasley down? It's all about the unscripted plays. When Josh Allen gets back into his drop, nothing's there, and he starts to be creative. That backyard football, that Russell Wilson, that Callum Murray, those are the plays that kind of scare me because now there's no defense for scrambles. It's just, all right, get into your zone, lock into guys, and with a young quarterback and the speed and the talent that they have at receiver, those are the plays that scare me the most because there's no real defense for that. I think they can contain them, John, but it's all about being disciplined. Now, if Shaq isn't in there, I'm worried a bit, but Trey Flowers had a decent game. Say what you want about Trey Flowers. He's he's not the guy we saw with a few years ago. Confidence issues, whatever you want to say, the kid played good last game. So if he does get the call, I'm hoping that he can ride the momentum from last week. No doubt. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's also, do you, you think this is the week for Damon Snacks Harrison? Yeah, I think so. It has to be, John. How long yeah. has it been? Like three, four weeks. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I, under, I understand he's been at home, probably wasn't in the best of shape, but let this guy go. Like, like, like I said about Carlos Dunlap, you don't need him to play every single snap. You don't need snacks to play every snap. You give him 15, 20 snaps and let his body get used to it. End of the day, this guy's a veteran. He's got 11 sacks. He's been there. He's done that. Let him get his body used to the gameplay and then just check in with him. When he gets to the sideline, how you feeling, snacks? How's your body feeling? You get to go. Communicate with the guys upstairs, but I think this is the week he needs to get on the field guys are getting healthy on defense and it's time to make a run there's some games coming up that these guys should win yeah no doubt and that's going to be the big challenge and uh, i would have to think that uh, you know if you're going against a defense now it's interesting we still we still don't know about the running game we know that carlos hyde is not going to play because of the hamstring it's going to go up until game time on chris carson i mean it looks like uh, you know if carson can't go and Hyde isn't going to go. They'll have Alex Collins coming off the practice squad, and then they still have, you know, like now a healthy uh, Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. Can they win and do it against on a road game like this against Baltimore or against Buffalo? Yeah, John, I think they can. This is what this is how I view this run game at this point. You're not going to get your 100-yard rusher. What you need are first downs. Last week, they had seven to eight rushing first downs. So you got to pick up the third and shorts. And then you need one or two big plays. What does a big play look like? Maybe it's a fourth-down conversion. Maybe it's a crucial third-down conversion. But you have to lower your expectations. Now, if DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, they come out and they exceed expectations and they both rush for six yards, you'll take that. But at this point, this run game is just a get-a-first-down run game. Most of the yards are going to come in the pass game. Russell's going to do his thing. So lower expectation when it comes to the run. A successful rushing attack would be picking up 8 to 10 first downs on the ground. No doubt, and that's what they definitely need that, and they definitely need to get the get the things moving with this uh, with this group right now. So uh, as we look at it, uh, you know, Jamal Adams coming back, do you think the number of blitzes are going to increase? Man, either increase or, or be equivalent to last week 
And, you know, when Ryan Neal was in there, John, they had some packages. They let him get after a bit. But you would like to think Jamal, that's what he does the best. He's flying off the edge of the, the defense, running down running backs. I think that they do the same as they did last week, maybe a bit more, maybe a little more exotic. Because, you know, John, Jamal Adams is great at disguising things. He, he pretends like he's going to blitz. He drops into his zone. He's just a veteran. The kid's 25 years old, been to the Pro Bowl three times already. He knows what, he, what he's doing out there. Now you combine that with the blitz package they had with Bobby Wagner. That was so fun to see, letting Bobby get loose and letting him be aggressive again. They have to be aggressive. And when you have Jamal Adams coming back, who's still – uh, one of the, the lead sackers on this football team, you let him go. There's no reason to hold him back now. You're going on the road. You know how the Hawks used to be with these 10 a.m. starts. They've demolished that. Let this guy be the guy you brought him here to be, and that is aggressive. I think they do the same things they did last week and get a little more exotic with the strong safety. As as a, pl- a, a player, uh, how much does it help Like if you're Jamal Adams and you've played jo- uh, Josh Allen twice a year for the last few years? Oh, yeah, great advantage. You know what he likes to do. You know his strengths and his weaknesses. Now, Josh Allen can make any throw on the football field. I think I heard um, Troy Aikman say he is a thrower, not a passer, meaning that he can throw that rock. He's learning how to be a passer, how to put touch on the on the balls over the top of the, the linebackers. Um, and when you are Jamal Adams – you know what he's good at, okay? On 3rd and 15, he likes they like this route combination. This is where he likes to go. This is his weakness. Now, especially at the quarterback position, guys are going to evolve. And Josh Allen is evolving. He's getting better every single year. So there are some things that he's going to do better this week that he necessarily didn't do as well the last time Jamal Adams played him. But familiarity is key. You, there's no substitute for experience. No doubt about it. So it should be kind of an interesting game and an early start. And, of course, uh, you got uh... – we got Seahawks live coming up tonight. I'll be talking to you at 745. And then, of course, we get an early start coming up with what uh, the broadcast begins at 7 a.m. Is that correct? On 7 a.m. Bright and early, John. You'll be up, man. You get up like at 4 o'clock, man. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always up. I usually can't <laughs> sleep past 2, a, 2 a.m. for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, I'll be up. And, of course, I'll be on the air at uh, 810. So, Michael Bumpus, thank you so much for joining us. All right, John, talk to you soon. Okay, listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the report card and get some grades going. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. In the report card, we get out each day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories. We take the anecdotes. We take social media comments. We take all the voices and put that all together and attach a grade to it. Curtis Rogers puts this all together and gives us the report card. John, let's get started today with Antonio Brown's first comments uh, since returning to the NFL, since signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Talked about uh, how he's been spending a lot of time working on himself. Uh, here's what he had to say yesterday. Well, I've just been spending a lot of time with family, uh, working on myself with them, and uh, just staying resilient, keeping the, the mind on the mission, being a football player, and uh, doing all the things that come with that. Even when the times got hard, you know, keeping myself in shape, uh, keeping myself uh, motivated from within, uh, not listening to the naysayers or not giving doubt or worries about will I be able to return. You know, I had good trainers, good people around me in my corner that uh, kept me encouraged, uh, that kept me motivated. And uh, I just uh, believe I knew one day I would get a chance to be back in this position. And I just try to check every box to make sure uh, when I was able to get back, you know, that I was ready to go. So, John, how are we grading Antonio Brown and just kind of, uh, I guess, the 
his sentiments there? Do you think he has changed at all? No, I don't think so. I mean, again, it's like one press conference and one uh, two days or three days at the facility doesn't prove it. Because, again, he can turn on a dime and go the wrong way. And so, no, I think it uh, I don't look at it very positively. I thought, again, I'm just so thankful that he didn't come up into this area. And we have to listen to his press conferences here and, you know, worry about what stupid things he's going to do. So, uh, I mean, again, the, I'll give him a D on the press conference, but I don't buy it. He has to prove it. I mean, again, you can't do as many things wrong as he has, particularly in the last year or two, and think it's all this is all behind me right now. I mean, these things have happened for a reason, and he's the reason has been he's been the problem. Yeah, Antonio Brown has been the problem at every stop along the way. It's not anybody else. It is entirely him uh, that has been doing any of this. Uh, to me, it's going to take a lot of time for anybody to really believe what he has said uh, with the Bucks, and, and, and just over the last year or so, last two years, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how long it's been. Uh, since he's been doing all this with the uh, with with the Raiders and with the Steelers and now with the Bucks, uh, it's just been you know one thing after another. I have a hard time believing Antonio Brown. Uh, John, also on the report card today, the NBA is apparently aiming for December twenty second to restart their next season. Uh, they they would play a seventy two game schedule. They would only play this just about a month and a half following the end of their previous season. How are we grading the NBA quick turnaround here to get 72 games in? I'll give it a I'll give it a B. <clears throat> they they did well in being able to uh, you know put a, a partial season together this year, and I think the fact that it's like okay, uh, we'll see if they do bubble or how they're going to do it. But uh, you know I don't think they've said that yet. But uh, no, I'll give them credit, and I think that uh, you know 72 games. I mean you know 80 probably was. 82 is probably too long anyways, but uh, no, I think this is a good idea. Why not? Yeah, I think if they can get the majority of their season in and and maybe fix the schedule to where teams aren't having to travel so much across the country, uh, maybe have you know Western Conference teams only play Western Conference teams, kind of do it like how Major League Baseball did, where it was just... Uh, you know, the American League West playing the National League West, with the American League Central playing the National League Central, and, and so on and so forth. I think it can be done. I think it can absolutely be done. It, it's just that there's going to be a lot of, of, you know, a lot of ways that people may not be comfortable with playing. Uh, but in order for them to get a season in, it's going to take some some creative thinking. I just wonder how open guys like LeBron James would be, Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat, guys who were on teams that played deep into the postseason. And, I mean, the NBA Finals just finished up a month ago. Yeah. So for them to uh, really you know, have this quick turnaround, that's going to be very, very difficult on them. I, I believe LeBron James has said something like, you know, uh, he, he's not – really so keen on starting so quickly but the NBA there's teams that haven't played since March the, you know the Warriors for example uh, you know all the teams that missed the playoffs in in Disney World they haven't played in, in eight nine months so I think they're they're ready to get going here it's going to make for an interesting interesting couple of weeks here for the NBA. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it, but at least you know they had a season. I mean, again, the ratings were down because I think everybody was, for whatever reason, pretty bored with them, and so now 
you know, who's going to be able to, uh, you know, do it. But again, I think the fact that they have a plan, the plan at least worked this time. And honestly, when, when you think about it, with the good relationship that the NBA, the commissioner has with the players, uh, it did work so smoothly, you know, with the bubble and everything else, that probably was the best, I think, of all the sports as far as, not, maybe not the, the play of it, but certainly with the way that they executed their protocols. Oh, I 100% agree with you on that, John. The NBA and how they executed their bubble, everything went right for them. There was nothing bad about how it went down. Uh, it was just incredibly well done by everybody in the NBA, and if they can translate that somehow to the regular season and, and keep these guys quarantined uh, as they go throughout a 72-game schedule, uh, you know, more power to them if they can do that. But uh, remains to be seen. But we're obviously rooting for them. We're rooting for all sports yeah. to be able to do this. No one's rooting against sports no. uh, to to fail here or anything like that. And also, John, finally on the report card today. A really interesting story, really, you know, it was a great ending to the story, a potentially serious situation involving Logan Ryan, cornerback of the New York Giants, and his wife was complaining about stomach pains to the point where it was, you know, very painful stomach pains. Uh, Logan Ryan didn't really know what to do, so he called a trainer for the New York Giants and said, should I take my wife to the hospital here? You know, she's complaining of stomach pains. We don't really know what's going on. She wants to sleep it off. Uh, it, you know, what should we do here? What do you uh, suggest we do? The trainer then said, no, you got to take her to the hospital. You absolutely need to take her to the hospital to figure out what's going on. So they did. And what they found out was that Logan Ryan's wife uh, had an ectopic pregnancy. Now, this is a pregnancy in which the fertilized egg implants outside the uh, outside of the, his wife's uterus, so the baby was not viable, uh, and this could also have serious complications with his wife. And they said if the if his wife had let this go and had slept through the night, she probably would have passed away. So Logan Ryan, uh, with his quick thinking, dialing up the Giants team trainer, saved his wife's life because of this. Uh, just an incredible story. Uh, John, how are we grading the quick thinking of Logan Ryan and, and also the decision-making of the Giants trainer yeah, here no, I, to, to I, save his wife? He has to be an A because the the fact that they were able to do this and, you know, you can smart enough to do it. And, again, sometimes I guess fate plays a role because here's Logan Ryan. He sat out there for the longest time waiting for somebody to sign him. And, of course, uh, you know, he did get a chance to go with the Giants. The Giants, of course, I mean, he went to Rutgers, so it kind of put him kind of back at home to a certain degree you know in new jersey and then the trainer then you know being there being able to help him when he thought through it i think you know the fate said he was supposed to end up with the giants and now he and his wife can uh, you know celebrate life together with the fact that it does because if he was someplace else maybe he would lose his wife but again here it worked yeah it's crazy how the that fate kind of works in that way so just Congrats to everybody involved for for making the right decisions, uh, and we're very thankful for the Giants trainer and just Logan Ryan's decision making there in in being able to save his wife's life in that mm-hmm. in that way. A potentially serious situation averted there. That is it for today's report card, John. And of course, be sure to check out the professor's notes on seven ten sports dot com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Five. Coming up next, we're going to go ahead and go on the busy hard seltzer text line and take your text questions. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. 
John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. Time to go on to Busy Heart Seltzer text line and take your text questions. You can text us at 710-710. So, Curtis, what do we have? Really good question here from the 253 to lead it off. They want to know, John, if Miami gets the number one pick via Houston, because they own the Texans' first-round pick in 2021, what what do you think they would do with the number one pick? Would they trade it or would they keep it? No, I think they'd keep it. I mean, now the question is, as a matter of fact, no, it's, I switch gears here because, you know, there may be some team wanting to trade up and, uh, you know, take uh, the quarterback because, uh, again, you know, I think everybody kind of realizes this may be, you know, the best quarterback that can be available uh, for a long period of time. So I think they would trade it and get as much as they can. It would be an interesting situation. Although, boy, can you imagine if they end up uh, you know, getting that number one pick and then uh, having to go ahead? Of course, it still looks like the Jets, are gonna, that's going to screw everything up for anybody like that. But it's like, uh, could you imagine just giving up on Tua after one year? Boy, that would That'd be crazy. That would look terrible, uh, at least in the eyes of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, if Trevor Lawrence turns out to be the next Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, it might ease that pain a little bit, but to just cycle through all these first-round quarterbacks one after another before you hit on one, it just seems seems a little a little much there. Uh, this one, John, from the 206, they want to know, do you know of Vic Be- or do you know of any teams that might have interest in Vic Beasley atop the waiver wire? We'll see. I mean. I think he's going to draw some interest. Now, he's got a base salary of 3.5, and, of course, I mean, that's probably right now at about maybe 1.9, somewhere like that, maybe a little less than $2 million. And so I think that uh, you know, I just don't think anybody – I don't know if anybody got the waiver claim. We'll find out by 1 o'clock today. But if he doesn't get claimed on waivers, if I'm Seattle, I'm putting the call in. Because, again, I mean, you get him for the minimum salary. 253 wants to know, John, does Damian Lewis have probable potential? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, particularly with the uh, rave reviews from Pro Football Focus, I mean, you know, the, he's saying that, and they, not this year, I mean, he's not going to make the Pro Bowl as a rookie this year, but I think that down the line, if he continues playing at this level, he, he doesn't, does have a chance to get to the Pro Bowl at some point. 425 wants to know, is the 2020 version of Seattle's offense the best in team history? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're putting up record numbers. I mean, you know, there's nothing that can even come close to it. I mean, what, 34 points a game? You know, a quarterback that's on pace for 59 touchdown passes. You have, you know, two receivers who uh, should go over 1,000 yards. I mean, no, this is no question it's the best. This one comes to us from the 253. They want to know who will have more pass attempts on Sunday, Josh Allen or Russell Wilson? Mm, I'd say probably Josh Josh Allen. Now, of course, you know, cuz I don't know if he's going to th- throw 40 passes or something like that, but if they can take away the run and force him into more passing modes, then there's more chance for interceptions. I'd say Allen. This one comes to us from the 509. They want to know, John, what do you make of JJ Watt's comments yesterday? saying he doesn't want to play for a rebuilding team. Yeah, I think what it comes down to is that uh, he wants to play his entire career with the Texans, but the Texans are going to end up being a rebuilding team. So what I think he's doing is you know, putting the word in their minds that it's like, hey, maybe it's time to trade me or cut me, one of the two. This one from the 206, they want to know, how do you see Ryan Neal fitting back into Seattle's defense once Jamal Adams is going? Well, he'll, he'll just be, you know, I don't know if he'll end up being, probably he'll be the third safety 
because you know obviously the starts going to you know most of the plays are going to go to uh, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, and so you know if they're going to be the defense is on the field for 65 plays, those guys are going to be out there for 65 plays. But you know once they need to go into kind of big nickel with a third safety, I think then he's going to be the one that's going to be called on. This one from the three six L. They want to know what do you make of Will Disley's slow start to the season? Uh, and this this actually goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, uh, what when when you have two receivers as good as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, what we saw in a two tight end offense was that the ball went to Evans and they went to uh, Godwin. And now it's becoming the same thing with DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett. I mean, for example, if you're throwing 15 completions to Tyler Lockett, you know, that doesn't leave a lot for the tight ends. So it has nothing to do with the tight ends. It just has to do with, you know, what they're doing with the offense and how they're taking advantage of the wide receivers. So don't look down on that. Don't look down on Greg Olson. Don't look down on Disley. But, you know, there's only so many balls to go around. We'll see this coming up particularly uh, this weekend and Sunday night with Tampa Bay now that they're adding Antonio Brown because they're even going to take more away from the tight ends. Because look at the tight end production for Tampa Bay. It's not been there even though they got two good tight ends. This one from the 3-6-L. They want to know who do you think starts at running back for Seattle this weekend? Uh, I think it's pretty – well, again, Chris Carson if he's healthy. And then if not, it'll be you know DJ Dallas. Uh, you know they'll have the availability of Travis Homer. They'll have mix in Alex Collins. But I'd say you know the key is it'd be so much better if it's going to be Chris Carson. Eight oh one wants to know, John. What do you think the biggest reason Earl Thomas still sits out unsigned? Uh, I think people were scared of him. I think that's what it comes down to. But it also comes down to it's like you know it's you know like Eric Reed had a chance, you know, and and people rightfully so have been complaining. It's like, okay, because, you know, he knelt down and, you know, made those protests and things like that, you know, kind of Colin Kaepernick, people were shying away from him, but Ron Rivera coached him in Carolina and then, you know, made the call and said, hey, you want to come here, but you have to go in the practice squad. And he said, no. So I think, and you can see most transactions right now for a veteran like Earl, I mean, it may be degrading to uh, go on the practice squad, but that's right now one of the few ways you can get back in because it's so now late in the middle of the season that you need to at least show your conditioning, you know, be able to pass the COVID test. And so my guess is, you know, he's refusing if there is offers out there to go to the, uh, the practice squad. This one comes to us from the 503. They want to know, John, the Bears have lost two in a row. Do you think they finish with a winning record this year? Uh, yeah, they'll finish with a, I mean, eight and eight or nine and seven. I think that's what they are. But, you know, they got some, they got, they're in the middle of the tough part of their schedule. They, they probably won't have hardly any offensive line for this game on Sunday, mainly because, you know, they've had, uh, you know, Fetty is kind of on the COVID's list and, you know, Whitehead, the center, he tested positive. And so, no, I think that they're in deep trouble right now. This one comes to us from the 206. They want to know, John, how much do you expect to see Alex Collins out on the field on Sunday? Mm, maybe, you know, eight to ten plays, but it, it also depends on, you know, if uh, how much they want to use Travis Homer. I mean, if Carson's out there, then they probably don't need Alex Collins, but at least they know he's available and he's been in this system. 253 wants to know, John, was there no market for Jacob Hollister, or did Seattle simply want to keep him? I think they wanted to keep him. I think that uh, yeah, I, I think that 
what they did is they kept their options open because you know once they made the Carlos Dunlap trade, they knew they had to come up with about you know over you know two, little two, over two point five million dollars of cap room, and of course they, they would save probably about one point seven one point eight if they were able to get something for Jacob. But then uh, you know they like him as a player. And so, uh, you know, they kept him. They cut Luke Wilson. We'll see if Luke Wilson comes back and signs on the practice squad. But uh, that's that's just the, the nature of it. But, again, they like Jacob Hollister. I mean, you see his playing time still up there. 206 wants to know, John, if you had to take a wild guess, where do you think J.J. Watt plays next year? Oh, it's too early to tell. I mean, again, it's impossible to sort it out. I think that uh, there will be a contingent of people that would want him to go to Pittsburgh because his two brothers are there, T.J. Watt and Derek Watt, the fullback. But uh, that could be a possibility. But, uh, you know, right now, who has the cap room to be able to do something with him? This one from the 253. They want to know, do you think the Giants were a good landing spot for Dante Pettis? Uh, no. I mean, it's a bad team. I mean, you got a quarterback that throws almost as many interceptions as he does completions, and so he's a turnover machine. And it's like, if you're Dante, you've gone from a team that last year went to the Super Bowl, and now you're on a team that's, you know, within a week is going to be totally out of it. So it's like, uh, you know, I think he could try to help them out. You know, I think he would have been better served had the Giants passed on him, and he could have gone to uh, either New England or Cleveland, two other teams that put waiver claims on him. And this one, John, from the 206. Let's wrap it up with this one. They want to know, do you have a score prediction for tonight's 49ers-Packers game if it gets played? It's going to be played. It's not, again, there's only two positive tests. Remember that. And so I'd say right now it'll probably be you know 30 to 30 to 10 Green Bay. Wow, blowout. Oh, yeah. It's like there's nothing left. I mean, they're down to, you know, Trent Taylor and an injured Richie James at wide receiver. You know, they're down to Jarek McKinnon and uh, Jamichael Hyde at running back, an undrafted rookie. You know, their left tackle's not going to be there. Their secondary's, uh, you know, still messed up. They're in bad shape. You heard it here first. That's it for text questions, John. Okay, and I was on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. Coming up next, we're going to get our Daily Dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. It is time for our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so, Dave, uh, lots to go on. And, you know, it's, it's funny because you, you hear in people's voices, they seem to want to almost trash the season for unnecessary reasons as far as in the NFL. Like, for example, I was hearing criticism this morning from different people around the country, and they're saying, well, they should move this game back or postpone it and do something like that. We're talking about San Francisco and the Green Bay Packers, and what they're not doing is looking at the facts. Okay, and what the facts are is that Kendrick Bourne tested positive. Now, the 49ers, I think, and Bourne are claiming it was a false positive. But now the leagues come back and says, no, this was a positive. And so what that did, it forced three other players to go on the COVID list and not two of them not going to be able to play because Debo Samuel's on IR. And then in Green Bay, A.J. Dillon tested positive. And then, you know, three other players went on the COVID list and they're saying, well, there's eight guys that are tested positive for COVID. It's only two. And the league has been very open about this. If you look at the last month for four straight weeks, you know how many positive tests there are? And the answer is eight, eight. And so are you going to move a game back for two positive tests? I guess to the NFL, the answer is no. But um, speaking to the problem, I saw where there's another Chiefs official that got one today. So 
as we as we speculated, John, over the past couple of days, there there are more and more cases that are going to be happening in, in the weeks to come, and the NFL is going to be more and more challenged in terms of what to do. But I'm with you in that. I think that they've got their their protocols in shape and and uh, their contingencies in such a way that they they. They're not. There's not a palms up. Should we cancel or should we not attitude when it comes to the NFL? I think when it first struck in baseball, you know, you, you definitely had some of that. Well, what do we do? What, what should we? How do we proceed here? I think the NFL has already, you know, gone through the scenarios. They know when they can proceed and when they can't proceed. But it does not change the fact that that they're getting more and more positive, and it's becoming more and more difficult. But that's the thing. I mean, technically, it's not true. They're not getting more positives. It has stayed at eight per week for literally the last month. And we're talking players and, you know, the front office people, they're not going to be integrating too much within the players and all that stuff. And you had some coaches and all that. But in the end, it's like it's not as bad as it would appear just because they go on the COVID list. What ended up happening is a few weeks well, ago. Well, I mean, you do got the Bears closing their facility today. If yeah. the player tested positive, the Texans closing their facility after Jacob Martin tested positive. So it is a little bit worse than it was, John. Yeah, it is. I mean, you're right about that. But of course, I mean, just because you miss a day of practice or two uh, and you get to clean up the facility, it's like, is that worth the idea of moving a game back or canceling? And right now I'd say not, not at this point. No, yeah. not at this point. But but just the, the point being that that um, you're, you're getting to that point. No, not not, not yet. But, you know, they're 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 a, they're a hit of bad news away from having to do that. Oh, they, yeah. So far, it has been you know somewhat controlled, but um, it's still. Still not good. Yeah, but still, I mean, uh, you know, on the critical better side... Than, better than it's being claimed. I understand yeah. what you're talking about. But on, on the critical side, the thing that I look at is I still think they were wrong, uh, the NFL, in only fining Tennessee $350,000 for what turned out to be 24 people in the organization, about a dozen players, you know, getting positive tests. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I, I don't know enough about it, the specifics of it, uh, because um, I don't, but... You know, you would think that that they would want to be levying the the most severe fines imaginable and most severe prevention imaginable if if in fact there's there's really blatant disregard for it. So if they didn't do that, then I would agree with you. Yeah, no doubt. But that's that's the big question mark right now. But it does look like this bad game is going to go on. But boy, can you see a team going through as much bad stuff as San Francisco? I mean, because now oh. you know, born. Trent Williams, Brandon Ayuk, uh, they're not going to be able to play because, you know, they're in the COVID program for five days. And, you know, Green Bay is going to have to go into this game basically with no running backs if Aaron Jones can't play because two running backs are on the COVID list. But here, here's the 49er team. They've lost so much. Now they're down to two wide receivers. You know, that's Trent Taylor and an injured Richie James. They're down to two running backs, Jarrett McKinnon and undrafted rookie Jermichael Hyde. And, you know, one a new, uh, J- Jimmy Garoppolo's out for about six weeks, maybe longer. George Kittle's out. George Kittle's out. I mean, it's incredible. Not the game they were anticipating when it was scheduled, the, the rematch of, of last year's championship game. Uh, not that at all. And we'll see who it winds up benefiting. You know, sometimes we've seen teams, we saw the Seahawks defense kind of do it when, when you can get that attitude of the world's against us and, and our backs are against the wall and knowing things we can do that. That's, that's sometimes the strongest motivation for teams. We'll see if that, that matters tonight. But, uh, I, I think you're right. And in terms of San Francisco, they're, it, it's, it's 
fast becoming a lost season for 49ers. Really has, and so, but that'll be kind of interesting to kind of follow that. Uh, what's your thoughts on the NBA uh, thinking about starting the new season for 72 games a little bit right before Christmas? Yeah, that's uh, not going over too well with the players' association. So, I mean, they've got uh, they've got. Um, they got to get that figured out. Now, they're, they're, I saw today that some 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 of the players uh, some are saying that the the um, player reps are expected to prove that December twenty second start. I think there was a there was an aspect of how many games you're going to play, what salaries are going to be like. That uh, they, you know, again, when it comes to the NBA, you know, when it looks like there's going to be trouble, that trouble seems to last twenty four hours. I yeah. mean, they seem to then communicate and 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 get things figured out. So. It does look like it's going to be approved. It does look like it's going to move forward in the 22nd. There, the questions that will be, you know, you know, how many how many places will allow fans in? Will fans be allowed in? That sort of that sort of issue. But uh, the NBA, as we've talked about, John, we noticed, uh, have been uh, been pretty good in dealing with the players throughout this whole thing, and and have really had things go fairly smoothly. Yeah, Mike Silver, I think, has done a great job. I mean, he certainly has a good relationship with the players, and you know, he listens, and you know, he gets them in. Now, again, I think that uh, you have to make plans and you make adjustments, and then make sure that they, you know, again, to, I mean, again, they can set the schedule whenever they want, but they do have to right. have the players approve it, and so that that at least is good. Yeah, they seem to have that in shape, so they're, they're always they're always in, in that in that mode. It seems like. What's your thoughts on the, the it, do you think there's going to be a, we don't know right now for sure if the Huskies are going to be open up against yeah. Cal because of uh, some positive tests down with Cal. And so that kind of leaves things a little uncertain. I guess that, I guess, it, well, it's completely up to them at this point. I'm talking about Cal, yeah. uh, you know, the, the test was yesterday. They're doing their contract tracing. So I would assume that there would be an answer to that question, John. If, 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 I mean, you would think some point today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about playing Saturday, unless you're going to just, you know, uh, you know. I guess not having fans there makes it a little bit easier to go up to the last minute. But you would expect to hear some results of 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 what's uh, of ramifications of the player testing positive yesterday, today. I agree with you. I think it's still up in the air, and um, I would imagine that at Cal and in most Pac-12 schools, you're going to err on the side of caution. So if they get bad news, it will it will be canceled. That'll be a tough break for Washington as, as the Huskies are. Are, are are geared up and it'll be tough for any team that comes across it and i would assume and and this is you know based on nothing just just hope probably that i, w- I would assume that you would hear something uh at some point today on whether or not the game's going to be played yeah and of course I'm, i i don't know in fact uh, maybe this is the bad part for the pack 12 in the standpoint of getting the season to start what november 8th uh that you know now is there any time that they can have an extra week to make up the game I don't think there is. Good question. I don't know. I don't know if it's built in for them as easily as other as, other, as it is for other teams. So I'm not sure that they can. Yeah. No. It's like. And again, they're the they were the last to kind of commit and try to see if they were going to have a season. And I'm glad that they had a season. But uh, you know, this could be very troubling. Well, it could. I mean, I see Wisconsin Purdue was canceled today. So I mean, you're having college games being canceled all over the place, and and uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, uh, fingers crossed. I'd like to see Washington get out there on the field and play, but. Uh, again, I would I would assume that that we'll have some sort of clarity, at least in that circumstance, at some point today. You would hope. I mean, just because uh, it's like we're we're getting down to the end, uh, and I don't know. Still, so we want to see what this Husky team looks like. We do. We definitely do. I want to see who's going to play quarterback for crying out loud. Yeah, exactly. Of course, that mystery will continue another week if they don't play in this game over the weekend. So that's our daily dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. David, I thank you, and let's chat tomorrow.
John, sounds good, buddy. Stay safe. Okay, sounds good. And, of course, we will be back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.